painful season. But for the fact that we are living in the world that's broken, we will suffer and we will go through pain. But also because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will also experience pain. Because, you know, as believers, as people that have believed in Jesus Christ, God calls us to live lives of worship. And as we are living lives of worship, because worship is not us just coming on Sunday and singing songs and listening to a preach, but actually worship is a lifestyle. So as we are out there in the world, we are trying to live the way God wants us to live. We will be called sometimes to live in the way that's different to the way of the world. And because you will be living contrary to how the world wants you to live, you will experience some pain because you're not conforming to the ways of this world. So you will experience pain. So what we're trying to explore is that when we let Jesus Christ enter our pain, he lets us enter his joy. When we let Jesus Christ enter our pain, he lets us enter his joy. And last week we had looked at the truth that Christ is actually inviting us that we can experience his comfort. When we let him enter our pain, he will let us experience his comfort. Uh, and this week we'll be looking at the truth that in pain, Jesus Christ actually invites us to depend on him, to rely on him. Uh, we are still in 2 Corinthians 1. And last week, uh, we were in the same chapter, but now we're going to move kind of like a couple verses uh, further. And we're going to be 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 to 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 up to 11. So I'll ask all of you guys, if you can, to stand up as we read the word of God together. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 to 11. We did not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again on him, we have set our hope, and he will continue to deliver us. As you help us, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Lord Jesus, we want to worship you, Lord. For we know that you come in our pain. And that, Lord, when you come in our pain, you are actually inviting us that we should rely on you. We should rely on your presence, on your goodness, on your love. Spirit of God, we ask you that uh, you would be here, that you would captivate our hearts so that we listen to your voice and your voice alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our lives can just change in a moment, isn't it? Some maybe just uh, through a phone call uh, or, you know, or maybe a message from someone. Life just easily, a, a painful moment can come. Maybe you receive a call. Some of you have heard this or you have heard it about your friend or 
someone else you know, a doctor tells you you have cancer. You have a tumor in your brain. You can't live here anymore. Your son just got involved in an accident. Your daughter just got bent. We can't have you in this school anymore. You are fired. We can't give you the business. We cannot help you with your tuition, tuition anymore. We regret to inform you that you have been unsuccessful. Your dad or your mom has gone to be with the Lord. I don't love you anymore. Some of these statements are you know, familiar to you. Maybe because you have received them yourself. You have gone through them yourself. Or you know someone else who has gone through these things. And just like you know, that one simple statement just changes your life. Just changes your life. In any given day, we can find ourselves in situations when we are afraid. Afraid of how we are going to survive. Afraid on how we are going to live. Afraid of our very, very life. Will I survive? Will I survive? For everything you have known in your life comes crumbling down. Everything you have known. And I want to tell you that you're not alone because somebody else relates to this and that's Paul. Well, the passage that we have read. The passage that we have read. Paul finds himself in a situation that's far beyond his control. He cannot do anything about this. Listen to the words that he says. He says, we were under great pressure. We were under great pressure. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. We cannot handle this anymore. We despaired of life itself. This means I was thinking I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is, this is the end of my life. We felt we had received the sentence of death. So he was under great pressure. A pressure which was beyond his ability to endure. He despaired of life itself. And he thought or he felt that he had been given a sentence of death. Have you ever found yourself in a very distressful moment when you know I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die. Or maybe I'm not going to live the life I thought I would live because I've lost my job. I've lost my school opportunity. I've lost this. I've lost that. And Paul could not cope with this. It was too much for him to endure. And he literally thought he was going to die. He literally thought he was going to die. But there's a twist to the story. Paul saw this as an opportunity to depend on God. When he was under pressure, when he thought, you know what, I, I cannot endure this. This is beyond my capacity to endure. 
And if you read Paul, if you have read uh, about his journeys, and he has faced a lot of trouble. This man has faced a lot of trouble. Now, we don't know in this situation what was really going on. What really happened to the point that he should say, this is just beyond my control. This is beyond my ability to endure. And there's nothing for me. I'm going to die. We don't know that story. But we know that he has been through a lot. But whatever this situation was, these people in Corinth actually knew about that situation. And he says these things. But he says, you know what? Because we know that this happened so that we may rely on God. This is moving away from self-reliance. Self-reliance. And you know, when painful things happen to us, you know, there are either two things that happen to you. Uh, first of all, maybe you say, you know, God, I am, I am a good person. Why, why am I deserving this pain? You know, I go to church, I pray, I do all the right things that a Christian should do. But why am I going through this pain? Why is this pain coming to me, the one who is good? I am the better one here. Why am I the one to suffer? Why am I the one to be laid off from this job? I am the good one. Or you can go on to the other side thinking that God is punishing me. So, have you ever been in those moments when you go, you know, something bad happens to you and you're like, I know I deserve it. I sinned last week. Yeah, have you ever been there? I have been. Oh yeah, oh okay, I know why I've lost that opportunity because I sinned last time. So, you feel like God is punishing you. You feel like God is punishing you. And then there's been also moments when, uh, you know, you feel like you've been good and something bad happens. You'll be like, wait a minute, why, why is this bad thing happening to me? I have been good. I have been good. But you know what? That's kind of like self-reliance because it has you in the center. When you feel like God is punishing you, you see you as the problem. When you feel like God should not, or maybe, uh, you know, pain should not come to you, you, you are still the center. And there is a third way that we see God to be the one that we can depend on and rely on. So if you read verse 9 and 10, he says, but this happened that we might rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. He will continue to deliver us. This happened so that we may rely on God. We might depend on God. Now, uh, there is a temptation in, you know, in wanting to depend on God. And the temptation is that sometimes we can want God, not for God, but for what he has. Sometimes we want to rely or pray to God or feel like we are depending on God. Not because we want him but because we want what he has. So when, I, when I'm sick, I pray to God to bring healing. And I'm not looking for him, but I'm looking for the healing. I'm looking for God to rescue me from this danger. But in the passage that we have read, actually, 
You know, if somebody comes to the end of their life, somebody comes to the end of their life and feel, feels like, okay, this is, I'm done. If you're depending on God, you're actually depending on God because you want him. Because you see the need of God in your life. So Paul looked at this to be an opportunity to fully depend on God. To fully depend on God. Because when you're depending on God and looking for him, for him, you know that it gives you the faith that if ever you get out of this situation, out of this painful situation, you know it is God's doing. But also, you know, even if you don't get out of this, even if you don't get out of it, there is faith for you to look far beyond this life because Paul's statement is that this happened so that we may rely on God who raises us from the dead. Who raises the dead. This life will be wasted away. We all are here for a short period of time but we know that God, our God, is able for he raises the dead. The reward for fully trusting on God is actually the gift of God himself. When you rely on God, it means that you're shifting your focus from just seeing God for what he can do for you and to see him for who he is for you, who he is to you. Depending on God means shifting our focus from what he can do for us to who he is to us. Because God cares about what happens to us. Uh, Bible says that he knows the numbers of our hair. For those who have hair. God knows the numbers on your head. So he cares. He cares about what happens to us. But on a deeper level. God is actually more concerned. About who we are becoming. He's more concerned about who we are becoming. Because we are becoming more like his son. And God is making us to become like him even when we are going through painful moments. He's making us to become like him so that we can see him, him alone and not for what he has, not for what he has. So our dependence on God is based on this truth that he raises the dead. We don't depend on God because he only has the ability to mend our current situations but because he has the ability to raise us from the dead. He has the ability to raise us from the dead. Now, this means that even if our lives are lost in the suffering, but we know that we'll be raised from the dead, we trust and put our hope in God, not only for what he can do now, but for what he will do later. And this increases our faith when we are in the face of hardship and suffering. Also, this helps us to not only see the need of God in our lives, but it brings the reality of how much we need God, of how much we need God in our lives. Because nobody wills for them to go through pain. No one. No one wants to go through suffering. No one wants to go through pain. We do not choose pain. We don't. We don't choose suffering at all. 
and we don't wish it on other people either. But it comes anyway. And when it comes, God wants us to experience something of him. He wants us to experience something of him. So true dependence of God gives us God. Now, I think, you know, just looking into this, you know, the word, you know, dependence, reliance, we kind of like, you know, throw it out there and we talk about it. If you're a Christian, you probably have heard this word so many times. And thinking about me, I was just looking into how does this challenge me as a child of God when I talk about dependence on God. And I think for me, dependence of God challenges what I value the most. Challenges what I value the most. And, and in this, you know, I look into, you know, you know, the man of faith himself, Abraham. You know, when God gave him what he needed, in fact, when God gave him what he actually promised to him, God said, okay, now bring it back to me. Give it away. So God had given Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. And when he gave them, uh, when he was a teenager, the Bible says that God demanded that he should sacrifice his son. And uh, Abraham said, all right, okay, we're going to do this. Let's go. Uh, and, you know, we're going to go to this mountain. So he took his son and said, okay, let's go into this mountain to, you know, sacrifice to the Lord. And, and, and Isaac was like, okay, yeah, we are going there, but we don't have any animal that we're going to use. How are we going to do this? And Abraham says, you know what? God will provide when we get there. God will provide when we get there. So they go to the mountain. And uh, scripture tells us a story that actually, uh, you know, he, Abraham had actually tied Isaac to the point that he, he was about to kill him so that he can sacrifice him. I know for us, this is kind of like a strange story, isn't it? Like child sacrifice, a bit weird. But when he was about to kill his son, God said, wait, don't do it. Look on your side. I have provided a lamb. You should sacrifice that. And what God was wanting to see, he said, no, I see your faith in me because dependence on God means it challenges what we value the most. God wants us to make him the one we value the most than anything else. True dependence on God. That's what calls us to. That we value God the most. But also, it challenges us what we love the most. Um, I remember when I was in, in, in college and, um, you know, then we had, you know, you guys remember blackberries? Yeah? Yeah? Some of you do? Um, you know, but, you know, blackberry just came to Malawi then and, and I was like, and I need to save up so I could buy this phone uh, because, you know, you had kind of like free internet on a BlackBerry. It was amazing. It was absolutely beautiful. Now internet is so expensive, then it was cheaper, as long as you get the phone. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to save up so that I buy this phone, this BlackBerry. So I saved up. I worked for two months and did not eat my pay. And I went to buy a phone. Uh, by the way, this story just tells you why a young man can have an iPhone 7 but don't have transport to go to Red 25. <laughs> yeah? Some of you can relate to that. 
Oh, you know one, eh? So yeah, so that's what I did. You know, so I went to buy this BlackBerry and I was, I was, I was so happy uh, because this was my first smartphone, by the way. So I like, you know, and, uh, and I'm using it and you know, I've downloaded my Bible there. So every morning I'm like looking into this Bible app and reading, uh, you know, and, you know, surfing the internet, going on Facebook and all kinds of things. And it was amazing. I used this phone for two weeks and then... Um, because I was also a worship leader here at Flood, but also in school, uh, you know, SCOM, which is like a Christian organization uh, that reaches out to secondary school students. They said, you know what, we have this event out in Chongoni, Deza. You need to come, you guys need to come and lead worship there. And we were like, oh yeah, for sure. In fact, I can even look up some of the songs on my Blackberry and, you know, it'll be great. Let's do this. So we went to this place and, uh, you know, I, I, I was leading worship there, and we were there for like two days, and then we were about to leave. Um, but, I, you know, I left my phone in my room charging, and then I went to have, you know, breakfast. I was coming back. My charger was there, but my phone was not there. Now, I've had this phone for just two weeks. Eh? I saved up for two months to buy, to buy this. I was the one lacking transport to go to Render 5, even though I had a nice phone. And, and I mean, okay, you know, it's, it's fine when, it's, it, when the, your phone is lost in like a, in a bar uh, or in a minibus or something like that. But this is a Christian event. Not only that, I was the one leading worship. Come on. You know, but they, you know, some guy took my phone. So I talked to the leaders and they said, you know what, this is actually easy. You can go to the police and you get, you know, you get a police warrant and then uh, you know, Airtel can actually trace this phone. Um, so I was like, okay, that sounds good. You know, we're going to do this. So I went, you know, took my police warrant. I went to Airtel and uh, you know, I presented my case. They're like, don't worry, in a week we'll find this phone. I was like, yeah, this is going to be really good. I went in there. Two weeks, three weeks, and nothing was happening. So I went back to Airtel. They're like, what's your case again? Tell us your phone number again. I'm like, no, come on. You guys can do better than this. And then a month went by. And then two months. And there was one time I took off from school and I was going to see the center that I'm going to meet up with the boss of Airtel and, you know, really talk to him. So I was, I, was, I was on my way there. I was angry. And I was, I was working there. And God said to me, you know, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you angry? And, you know, I was thinking, come on, don't bring those thoughts to me. I know this is my thing. This is my thing. I don't want to think about that. You know, but you know, I was walking and then I just stood on a tree and began meditating. And this is one thing that I realize. Until I can say I can live without this, my heart is not ready for God. I have an idol in my life. I have an idol. Until I can say I can live without this and whatever this is for you. If you can think of anything, something that you love the most and you say, I can live without this, then your heart is ready to just depend on God, whatever this is for you. For true dependence on God, it challenges us. 
that we have God as the one we love the most. At the call, at the core of depending on God, actually it challenges our idols. It challenges our idols. What do you love the most and what do you value the most? What is it for you? Something that you value the most. Give it to Jesus for until you can say I can live without this then your heart worships God. You're really depending on God. Because in our times of despair, in our desperate moments, in our times of fear, Christ is actually inviting us that we depend on him alone. We depend on him alone. That we trust in him. Uh, this is what the Bible says uh, in verse 10. I just have to read that again. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope. On him we have set our hope. It means we trust in him alone. He will continue to deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. Trust in God. Put your hope in his works. How does depending on God looks like? Depending on God, you know, is not afraid. We, we, if we are depending on God, we will not be afraid to ask for prayer. Verse 11 says, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You know, by the end of this series, the hope is that we could be a community that actually share our pain and that actually we pray for one another. Uh, we don't know what situation Paul was going through, but one thing that we know is that he had actually asked for prayer and that people were actually praying for him. For he says, as you help us by your prayers, as you help us by prayer, your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Persistent prayer. When I was just reading on persistent prayer, I, you know, I remember the story uh, of an, an, an encounter, or Jesus had this, an, this encounter with this woman. And in Matthew 15, the Bible says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to a region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I will send only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. And I'm just thinking of this like, you know, why... Uh, Jesus actually took it further that she, that this woman was actually so desperate. And probably maybe he was just wanting to test this, 
Maybe she just wants the healing and not Jesus. So he says, you know what? We do not give food that belongs to the children, to the dogs. And she said, yeah, but even the dogs ate from the crumbs of their master. Master. And some of you may not understand because, you know, if you have a dog, maybe you have, you know, you, you kind of give it on food. You have a little ball that you give it to, you know, to the dog. But, you know, in my house, or I mean, in those days, I don't have dogs anymore. Uh, but when you are eating and, you know, the bones, you don't put them on the plate. Actually, you throw them out for the dogs to take. Have some of you done that? Yeah, Malawians? Yeah, so you throw it out to the dogs. So when you're eating, actually, the dogs are just waiting. When is it coming? When is it coming? When is the bone coming? That's what he's talking about because they are looking up to their master, that their master would actually provide. They're depending on their master. But times that we come to these desperate moments, that actually what we are looking for is not even the gifts that God gives, but actually we are looking for God himself. We are looking for God himself. Is God dependable? Is God dependable? The answer is yes. Because Paul says, he did rescue us and he will rescue us again. And what that means is that God is faithful. God is faithful. In your pain, in your suffering, you have to remember that actually God is faithful. God is faithful to you. God is faithful. Be reminded that God is faithful. But also be reminded that God is gracious. If you are prone to thinking that because you're suffering, God is mad at you. You have to think that God is actually gracious. You have to be reminded that God is gracious. Lamentations chapter 3 says, I remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly. For the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence. For the Lord has laid, laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. Let there may, there may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him. And let him fill with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. No one. No one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief. He will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. The Lord is compassionate. You can read that verse, that scripture again, just by yourself. To just hear God's truth over and over again. That actually God is compassionate. The Lord is actually gracious. Now... You know, for me, when I'm thinking about depending on God, sometimes I feel like, you know, God brings pain in my life um, to have, for him to kind of like have an aha moment. Yeah, I got you now. You can depend on me. 
But that's not, those are, that's not the way of God. God is compassionate and he is gracious. And we see this on the cross. We see this on the cross. When you look up to the cross, you see the mercy of God. That all pain was actually laid on Jesus Christ. That even if, but that even if, uh, if, even if it's not in this life, but in the life to come, we will be with the Lord without pain. We will be in the presence of God without affliction. For he has shown us grace and unfailing love and compassion. He has shown us grace. God loves you. In your pain, Christ is actually inviting you that you depend and you rely on him. Give your pain to Jesus. Let him enter your pain so that he can let you enter into his joy. Amen.